Three seconds. Curry from half court. Oh! He puts it in at the buzzer. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Warriors All 82 podcast. Daniel LaRue in the building. Um, 137-90 Warriors. Biggest blowout of the season either way. Warriors Warriors got beat by what, what was it? 35 by the yeah, Mavericks, so. which was bad. But uh, this is a whole another level of bad, especially from the Hornets perspective. 47-point uh, win. Do you take anything? I mean, it's, it's a Hornets team whose season is fading. Uh, their playoff hopes basically died tonight. It was already slim anyways. They did not put up any fight at all, but I'm just solid by the Warriors. Yeah, I, I think there were a couple things that were that were interesting here. I, for me, the most important takeaway, and granted, it's against the Charlotte team that didn't have Tony Parker, but I thought the Warriors, what I call the second unit, the group that started the second quarter, looked really good. This was Quinn Cook's best game of, of his season, and the Warriors are kind of trying to figure out this rhythm. I'm very interested in the, the Draymond shift in the rotation, and so it's taken him out of the second unit. And they're not going to get to face Devontae Graham and Frank Kaminsky every night. Now Frank got a couple threes. But I thought that group looked good. And really all you're looking for from them is, let's call it six good minutes a night. If they can get that, six decent minutes a night, the rest of the guys are good enough. They'll be, they'll be good against almost everybody. Yeah, um, I guess like just box score takeaways almost like KD's night is, is interesting again 27 minutes only takes five shots hits all five shots same thing take a free throw yeah uh same thing he did uh the last home game against the Pistons who's five of six had 11 assists tonight he had nine assists so that's his last uh two home games he's combined for 20 assists and only 11 attempted shots and uh, it's interesting because he's playing like a really sharp game. Uh, I think defensively he's been you know more engaged than maybe he was a month ago. Uh, when he's passing like this, you know, I mean, it seems to help the rest of the team. Um, but it's still kind of weird to see him pass. There are times I'm like, man, he should have just taken a shot there, and he's swinging it to Andre Iguodala on the wing or something like that. Or he, or you can just tell he's he's going to the rack, but he's doing it only to create. Um, with almost like a disinterest in shooting at times, and I don't think I'm not I'm not I don't think that come playoff time if they're threatened I don't think he's gonna like have nights too much like this. But what do you just think about what he's doing right now? It, it's definitely different, and I I cracked up a little bit after the game. Quinn Cook talked about somebody asked him about I think it might have been you about how Katie only took five shots. He's like, well, he takes really good shots. That's true, but when a player is as great as Kevin Durant is you want them taking more than just great shots because their mediocre shots are better than most other guys. Now, that's a little bit different on this Warriors team because they have so much offensive talent and they have a lot of guys that can capitalize on open looks. Klay Thompson, I think, benefited a lot from KD's passing. But I think that there are nights, and this was one of them, where it, what's been more striking to me than the, the field goal attempts is who it's going against. It's not like... Charlotte had this great defender on him who was making all those shots hard, and those were the only times he had a chance to get a look. He, as you said, some of those times he was creating for the pass, and there's nothing wrong with that if the other guys are making the shots that are created. But it is weird for a player this good to do that as frequently as he has. And as you, uh, it's, and it's purposeful. What's right, interesting to right. me it's, is how purposeful. It's not, it's not, it is in the flow, but it's also, it seems intentioned. Well, there's, to me, and he's a guy, you know, I've covered him for so long, a lot of times he'll just say, 
you know, I, I just let the game dictate what happened <laughs> out there. Where it's clear right now in the last, you know, however many games, he is going into the game telling himself this is how he's going to play. He's not reacting to a defense. He is, I am going to be pass first. I'm going to off-ball cut, which is good. Like the, I mean, like the, the things he's doing off the ball and, and, and ball moving and, you know, extra passes, hockey assists, regular assists, like this is your good thing for the offense. It's just interesting to what extreme he's taking it to. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is further than I've ever seen him take it. And, I mean, scores as great as he is. And remember, this is not somebody he, – he, the Warriors have been successful offensively when he's played this year without Steph. But he's not thought of as that, like, James Harden guy who you want to – you run everything through him. There are times when he did that. I mean, Western Conference Finals, they ran a lot of stuff that ended up with, with KD. But, yeah, I mean, his passing has been very good. I've, I've said for years that he's a weird – inconsistent transition passer but his half court work has been very good especially over this last month yeah um another thing that happened tonight cousins gets tossed in the second quarter which um i thought that was a very strange call by the referee i think it, you definitely say flagrant one on that after sure. a review you hit a guy in the face it's a flagrant one. he smoked Hernan gomez with the, with a the little forearm but to elevate it to a two in an automatic ejection i mean that's very rare to see well, and what's weird from what Kerr said, and he hasn't gotten to see a replay, but it would make sense that he probably heard it from the officials, was they talked about how he, how Cousins had a closed fist. Well, he didn't hit Hernan Gomez with his fist. It shouldn't matter if your hand is open or closed if it makes no contact with the guy. And for me, a flagrant two is more about, like, malice, recklessness, like an extreme form of, of, of that kind of conduct. And there was nothing on the Cousins play that made me think those thoughts and so for me that's kind of it's a basic check like if you don't ever think oh man like he was trying to do something there it's probably not a flagrant too now it didn't really affect the outcome of this game so it's not that huge a story and you know it, uh, all th- it's gonna do is add to this like persecution complex from right, the Warriors, right. where cousins is i guarantee in the locker room saying if it was anybody else, else but me right right and and i think there's i think and especially after what happened in minnesota and all that like it, it all feeds together, and, you know, if something happens in a future game, then it, it can go from there. But, yeah, I thought it was a very soft ejection, and it was a soft ejection without a good reason. Like, there is a, a part of the rules that, like, you can exacerbate something based on if there's, like, an altercation. There was nothing. Like, it's not like, oh, man, this was something small that became something bigger. It was something small that saved something small that... I was sh- I was kind of shocked they even looked at it, and when they said the, because I'm like, oh, where are they going for? And then when they said hostile act, I'm like, there was no hostile act there. He just accidentally hit a dude in the face. It happens. Yeah, uh, and I kind of wanted to see him guard Kemba for most of the night, and he got 11 minutes in. I'd say what, probably like six of them were with Kemba on the floor. Yeah. Um, he blocked his shot one time, which was like a nice little play. Uh, he got exploited a couple times. Would, would he only played 11 minutes? What did you think? I thought he had – so the first quarter was a little bit shaky defensively. I mean, the Hornets were going after that matchup. Not necessarily like, oh, Kemba has to get his, but they are doing some passes and everything else. And then in the second quarter, they had Kaminsky in, and Kaminsky got a couple open shots. Cousins just manhandled him on the other end of the floor. But what I was impressed with was that I, I thought, kind of like with Quinn Cook, that once Kemba came in, it was going to be, you know, the parade was going to stop. It was going to be the, the, like the record scratching at the party. And it's like, oh, this is what happens when they play somebody real. But, no, I think Cousins did a nice job. He stayed, he stayed in a better spot. He wasn't getting attacked. They weren't getting his open looks. And really, like, that's the base threshold. You're not looking for him to be 
Kavon Looney or Draymond Green switching everything and, and bodying up these guys and not getting blown by. As long as he executes whatever they want to do, they're fine. Like, the Warriors have a different expectation for Cousins defensively than a lot of other teams because they have more wiggle room. And I, th- I was impressed that in that second quarter, before he got tossed, he looked more like the player that the Warriors need is a strong word, but kind of need him to be against guys like Kemba Walker. Um, so Bogut comes in. He, he gets 11 minutes, uh, 6 points, 8 rebounds in those 11. What, I mean, you were around his first stint here. Um, he disappeared for a couple of years. He has come back. You've seen him now in uh, a few games. What do you think of him? He looks better physically than I anticipated. I admittedly did not watch Bogut's Australian basketball f- footage very much. I you didn't, didn't see the YouTube highlight clips? I didn't see the YouTube highlight clips. I was otherwise occupied. You're talking about the MVP. But he, he looks better physically than he – I would say he looks better physically than he did at the end of that 15-16 season. I mean, granted, he also was out before the end of that finals due to I think it was a back issue. So that's that's worth noting. But, yeah, I mean, and, and offensively he steps in. He's not the same – type of player as some of the other guys they have but I think that's good he's a very intuitive passer a good screener getting called for a few more of them than before well, but he's re-entering a different league right yeah I mean he you know there's this funny thing that like if I'm a CBA nerd that in in the salary cap you know they a lot of times what they do is they pull the rope up so like one team does one way to build a good team and then they take that away that's kind of like how Bogut was as a screener like he's he's setting so many dirty screens that they changed the rule but he's not he doesn't have to deal with it because he was hurt and then in, in playing in Australia but yeah I think he's been a nice fit and yeah, in an ideal world, the Warriors would have gotten somebody on the perimeter who could be a part of the rotation or at least a break glass in case of emergency. That guy wasn't really there. You know, Daniel House wasn't available. He was He's in Houston still. Those types of guys. So Bogut, as a different form of great break glass in case of emergency, I think he's doing a good job. Yeah. Free throw line's weird tonight. Look at the free throw stat line. You got Warriors only take 12. Hornets take 25. 15 of them by Hernan Gomez. Hernan Gomez, 15 They're, they're, they're persecuted throws. by the refs. That, that's, that's the whole story here. You know, whenever there's a free throw disparity, it is, it is always that. It can be nothing else. But, yeah, I mean, the Warriors. I just mean more like that's just super yeah, weird. A guy off the weird. bench had 15. Oh, it, it's super weird. And, I mean, a couple of those came in the first quarter. I actually thought this was very interesting tactically. The Warriors went to uh, – Kerr went to – instead of Looney or, or – um, Cousins or whoever in that lineup, they went to green at center for a couple minutes. And I would say overall, like, they were getting really good looks offensively. The problem was two different times they got smaller guys switched on to Aaron Gomez, and he just – McKinney got called for both fouls. I think one of them was more Jarebko's fault. But, you know, those sorts of things are going to happen, and he was 3 of 4 on those, ended up 14 of 15. That was his only miss from the line in the entire game. So, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think it was any sort of big deal from that perspective. Just that was quirky Yeah, style. quirky, but the Warriors, I mean, something related to that with free throw disparity is they haven't been super aggressive attacking the basket, and the Warriors can have a great offense. They don't need to rely on that. Well, well I mean, that goes to the Durant stuff because yeah, he too. is their guy that goes and yeah. gets free throws, and right now he is not going and getting free yeah. throws. I mean, it, again, they scored 137 uh, points tonight. They shot 60% overall, 63% from three, 80 from the line. It's not affecting them but I mean that just leads into less free throws of Katie's not forcing the action that's a great point and the Warriors are going to need a different Kevin Durant at some point that point is not right now it might be on Tuesday and and I'm really excited about I want to talk I want to talk more about that matchup later 
what do you mean by later? Like I was about to, I was about to go into yes okay. in a few minutes. Okay, sorry. I, I mean, I, I, I was used to setting up as the host, setting up somebody with, with that. But yeah, I mean, so for this game, I mean, I think something else that was interesting was Livingston just having a small role. Cook and and Cousins. I want to talk Cook. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, let's let's start with that because I mean, the reason Livingston had a small role was because Quinn Cook really stepped up. Yeah, um, he had like a month or two months where like he could not hit a three, and it was like if Quinn Cook's out there and going, you know, oh a three from three, one of four from three, uh, he becomes like it was to the point where it's like this guy might be unplayable because that is his skill that is needed on the team, especially when Curry is playing because he's not like ball creating at all either. Um, he has rediscovered his shot. At one point, what did he finish tonight? Five of six. At one point, he had hit seven in a row, spread over three games. Um, so he, you know. At, in this new role, especially in a regular season environment, uh, he again hitting his shots has become helpful. Season high twenty one points tonight, but I still have con- I still have playoff concerns for his fit in the rotation. You should. I mean, Cook it can be attacked defensively. He benefited from an incredibly favorable matchup tonight with Devontae Graham. Graham, I, I think there's still a good player in there. He's just a rookie and figuring a lot of this stuff out and. And also, I, something that's underappreciated about Cook on second units is he does so much off-ball, and most backup point guards just haven't spent that much time guarding people that way because it doesn't happen very often that a, a team has like a Durant or a Draymond Green, not that he's on the second unit anymore, who really runs the show. And so Cook can come off screens, he can break, he can do handoffs and all those sorts of things. And He so, almost never brings it up. Right, he almost never brings it up. And so I can imagine you're Devonte graham and that's basically been your life that's a little bit weird and so he can he can get some advantages there also graham didn't attack him really much defensively but again i brought this up earlier i thought cook one of the important things beyond him scoring 13 on five of five in that second quarter was that once kemba came back in he still did pretty well you know there was one time where it was a little bit awkward he kind of got caught on screen but he recovered and the the threshold for cook doesn't have to be that high like, I mean, that's the benefit of having as many good players as the Warriors do. But when he falls below that, it becomes a big problem because they just don't have that many other options. Steph Curry, who finished the night, let's see, 25 points, hit five threes again. Uh, I believe that's eight straight games with five or more threes from Steph. Uh, but he came to the arena rocking a Steven Jackson throwback, which I guess he's doing the last games at Oracle this season. He was Baron Davis' last home game. Let's, I believe, what, three home games left? Yeah, that sounds right. Who are your predictions on the next three throwback Warriors jerseys he's going to well, wear? The one that I'm interested in is does he wear a Monte? Because that would be fun for a bunch of different reasons. Um, I'm going to guess no. I'm going to guess no as well. <laughs> and I don't think he's going to wear an AC Law either. But, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, that's going through the We Believe team a little bit. I'm guessing a Chris Mullen. Yeah, a Mullen, maybe a Tim Hardaway. Tim Hardaway would be cool too. Yeah. It would be, I mean, as somebody who wrote a book on Warriors history, it would be fun to see him dig a little bit deeper. I mean, whether you want to go with guards and go with somebody, like, more obscure, like Bimbo Coles, or go go deep into it. He or, doesn't, I mean, if he had done this, like, mid-season, where it was, like, every game, for, so he would have had 20. It, first of all, not only would it have been a thing, he would have, like, had been able to do fun ones, like we're talking yeah. about a Bimbo Coles or, or whoever. Uh, but he really limited himself with the last five games. Yeah. So I think you got to do a Mullen or Tim Hardaway, one of the two. I mean, an Anton Jameson one might be fun, but I feel like that might not be. Um, I mean, a Rick Barry would be interesting. That would be interesting. I, I'm going to guess he won't do that, but he could pop that one out. I Will mean, Chamberlain? It would, be, Al it would Adels? be great to do an Al Adels. I think that he should do an Al Adels. I think he should. Um, Latrell Sprewell? Mm, 
I mean, that'd be real interesting if he didn't like a game PJ announces. I don't know if PJ's doing any more Warriors games this year. But playoffs, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. So get, let's get your three guesses on the record. Mullen, Hardaway. Uh, I'll, go with, I'll go with Rick Barry for the last one. I think he's going to have Al Adels. I think Al Adels nice. has got to be in there. Uh, all right. But he not only did he wear the Steven Jackson jersey, he brings an oven mitt. Uh, which was a clear like his he's having these weird like subliminal messages lately, uh, and it is it was clearly you know in reference to the NBA deeming Josh Okogie's kind of weird little slap on his ankle from behind as he was shooting the other night in Minnesota, which wasn't even controversial that n- night because there were so many other things going on. <laughs> yep. But uh, they the NBA's last two minute report described it as hot stove con- contact. I mean. I I didn't get an official explanation of what that means. I assume it's like, like let's say you touch a hot stove, you like pull your hand off really quick. I think that was what their description was, but it was such a little like quick tap. Uh, what did you think about that whole thing? It's it's rare to see a term like I mean, as somebody who watches the whole league and just watches a ton of basketball, that I heard I heard them use it. I'm just like, what? Like that's that's a little bit weird. I so I I know that especially when something gets slowed down, people can read things into intent. My, I didn't see much in terms of the st- – like, people were freaking out about the step and the touch going into it. I didn't think much about the step and the touch. Like, it was weird. It was, like I, – I didn't like it. I am – so people might remember my Twitter rampage after Vince Carter ran into Patrick McCaw and ruined his season last year. I'm very, very defensive and protective of guys that are in the air. So I'm, I'm not a fan of it. I think that there should be – when it's done intentionally – there should be punishments there, and I don't. I'm not going to say like, oh, he ne- definitely deserves a game or something like that. But if we're talking player safety in all of these different forms, intentionally touching a player who's in the air, even if it's like, oh crap, like there was no other purpose for it. Like it's not like he like tripped and fell into his legs or something like that. So I didn't. I didn't like it. I'm not going to go. Oh, it's nefarious. Like it's a huge thing, but it definitely didn't make me comfortable. Yeah, no, especially when I'm not saying Josh Jacoby's sitting there running on the court with the context on his brain, but the context of it is face of you know one of the faces of the league who has documented ankle yeah, problems. But even then, Gil going trying touching a guy touching a guy's leg who's in the air like there isn't a. It's not like he was going for the ball or anything else. That's the part that made me really uncomfortable about it. Is there well, you know this is going back you know to legal stuff. It's like there isn't really a defensible rationale here. And so that's what I didn't like about it is there's no there's no reason I mean, for I your hand his, to be there. His rationale would be like I was trying to throw him off a shot and make a miss, but it's just like if Steph had come that's down not and okay. no, it's not. Uh, if Steph had come down and rolled his ankle, like can you imagine the furor? <laughs> Andrew uh, Bogut would have checked back in, and Josh Okogie would have checked well, out. I almost think they wouldn't have really known in the moment because nobody well, really Steph seemed to know. Steph would Steph would have known if that had happened, like because yeah. you know if somebody hits your ankle. I'm surprised he didn't react stronger then. Well, and it uh, was it was a weird play because he I, I noticed it because he fell forward and Curry does even when he's doing those running threes that doesn't happen very often and so my thought was he was trying to sell some sort of call but I didn't see the contact originally. He looked kind of like he looked back at his ankle. Like, what, what was that? It almost looked like I don't think he knew the the reason why I don't think if let's say yeah, he, he might not have it's true because he might have thought it was intent. like but if it had been stronger enough to cause an effect then I think he would have. Yeah, interesting. All right, um, Warriors Nuggets, you kind of mentioned it earlier, Tuesday night. Um, big night for the Warriors in the sense that they obviously get the win over the Hornets. The, the Nuggets lost to the Wizards at home, and Jokic in a tie game late gets ejected. That was kind of 
Not a smart uh, ploy by him. But anyway, that puts the Warriors one up. Now, if they win Tuesday against the Nuggets, that will put them two up and also clinch the head-to-head tiebreaker. So they basically be three up uh, with, what, four or five games to play. That would, in my opinion, if the Warriors win Tuesday, you can lock up home court for them in the West. Um, what what are you interested about that game? Because this season, when the Warriors have wanted to play Denver, there's been two high-profile games. They went into Denver when Denver was hot, smoked them. Denver came here. It was kind of being billed as, like, you know, chase for the top seed. They smoked them again. I think we're going to see the Warriors care on defense from the jump. That hasn't happened a whole lot this season. I think they're going to be engaged, and they really know if if the Warriors win that game on Tuesday – they can pretty much take it easy from for the next for the next two weeks, and that's really valuable for a team that has just dealt with a bunch of stuff. Any team, really, you're dealing with so many injuries and cumulative fatigue and all that over the course of the year. You want to know why else? They got two back to backs coming up. Yep. Uh, Thursday, Friday, they're at LA back here for Cavaliers, and then the last two days of the regular season, it's uh, at New Orleans, at Memphis. They are going to want to rest a bunch of guys. Yeah. And and a win Tuesday basically allows them to do that it does and it it also like i'm sure it's peace of mind for the players they value home court now i don't think they're worrying too much about home court in a potential nba finals but in the west it does matter and it looks like as of right now we have to guess that the pathway will be easier as the one outside of home court that will be easier for the one than the two there is a possible exception if the oklahoma city thunder fall to the eighth seed but generally speaking, knowing what we know right now, the think, one is one is meaningfully better than the two. Yeah, I think the you know with the way the Thunder are playing, I don't think they're worried too much about eight. Yes, they don't want to drag themselves into the drama, but I think way, way, way more important to them is if Houston's at four. Right, and it looks but it looks like Houston's going to get the three. It's yeah, not definite, but it looks like it looks that way for sure. But yeah, if, if Houston somehow went four and the Thunder are eight, then you're sitting there th- looking at you're the one seed and you get Thunder Rockets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, first round, second round. Then, I mean, do they try to tank their way into two? But you're not going to know by the time they've, you know, again, if they win Tuesday, they probably pretty much clinch it. And if you're the Warriors, you don't want to be viewed by anyone around the league as saying, like, oh, we're trying to dodge this matchup or dodge that matchup. You think Draymond Green, if, if he's asked, like, hey, you know, do you want to hold off to play Houston? I don't think he's too concerned. Now, I, the, the more interesting finesse one, and I'll only indulge this for 30 seconds, is – Houston, sorry, Denver plays Portland twice more. And so if the Warriors basically functionally lock up the one seed in that game, they can kind of, Denver can try to try to push Portland to the three, which is much better for them than Houston with those. I don't think Mike Malone's going to do that either. But then you're getting close because those are two of their last four games of the year. True, but couldn't, how close is Houston to Denver? Because then you could lose twice to Portland and say we're knocking you down. But right. what if Houston it's, hops? It's, it's it's a possibility. I would. I, I mean, I think by that point they'll have a pretty good idea. So yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, they it, all of these things. We we kind of we spend more time like dancing around it than the teams do. But when you're in the last couple games of the year, they can actually think about it and discuss it. And using protective rest, like teams can massage these things a little bit. Yeah. Um, what a. How do you think Jokic would fare in a Warriors playoff matchup? Offensively, I think he could end up getting more just depending on – and also he would, I think, bait the Warriors into playing Cousins more often than they probably should because – It's a good matchup for Cousins. It, it is. I mean, and, and Cousins, like, intuitively, he's done really well against like-sized center. I mean, I thought he played really well against Towns. That was a surprise to me. But the the big challenge for Denver against the Warriors is – 
they're def- like getting them to defend in space. They do some weird stuff in terms of pick and roll coverages by virtue of having a, a center who is not the most fleet of foot. And I think the Warriors would be able to exploit that and score reliably. And Denver can get into a shootout with almost anybody, but the reason that's almost is because of teams like the Warriors. All right, Danny, appreciate you coming on. You want to plug anything? I mean, dunked on, we're five times a week, Real Jam Radio. And then uh, for those who subscribe to The Athletic, my every player analysis is only on the app. You go through the scores tab, and I do – I counted it once. It's like 1,000, 1,200 words on every game. It's just split up by the players. Yeah, uh, and advance warning for podcast listeners. The podcast, my podcast is going to be going – into the athletic app when we launch it right around playoff time and you will need to subscribe to the athletic to listen to the podcast i'm sure that's going to excite a bunch of people if you don't subscribe to the athletic though you should uh danny larue appreciate you coming on anytime all right talk to you tuesday nuggets game should be fun